This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here in studio, very excited to be joined by Congresswoman Mary Peltola and her chief of staff, Anton McParland. How are you doing? Great, Jeff. Good to be with you. I think this is my first podcast. Ever in your life? Ever. You're in for a real treat. Just hang on. <laughs> now, I got to say, Representative Peltola, the first time we did this was last summer before you were elected. I think it was before the special race, even. It was. It was when we knew who, the, who were in the final four. And uh, you came in with your campaign manager. Now you're a congresswoman. Now you come in kind of... Six, five or six deep here with the entourage. I like that. Yeah, there's only me plus four. It's okay. <laughs> I like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Still fewer than 48. <laughs> so I want to talk about a lot of things. You can move that light back if you want to know it's going to hit in your head. Sorry about that. Um, I want to talk about a lot of things, but the first thing, you know, you, you won the special election last year after Congressman Young passed away, and then you won the, the, you know, the general. So you were kind of, for a moment, you were still in his office, right? I was. I had the pleasure of serving in that amazing office in Rayburn that so many Alaskans have just gotten a big kick out of visiting over the years. It was, uh, you know, there wasn't even like a centimeter of wall space. It was so covered in trophies and awards and memorabilia. And then they cleared it out. And it was actually really emotional the first day that I showed up. We didn't have keys yet, but the the elevator doors came open on the third floor of Rayburn And there's something funny about grief where it doesn't all hit you at once. It takes a number of times, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, maybe over a year or two for it to really sink in. But it really sank in for me when those uh, elevator doors came open at Rayburn third floor. And I thought, he's not in that office around the corner. All his stuff is gone. And so by the time I got to the doorway, I could not suppress the tears. They were just rolling out because it was just kind of that realization, that final realization that he is not serving Alaska anymore. But I I loved serving in his office. It was weird because without all that stuff, I thought it would look cavernous, but it actually looked smaller without all the stuff. See, I just heard this, that a lot of people had given stuff over the years or loaned stuff, different animals and all kinds of um, um, decorations or things for the office. And it took a while, I guess, but they, they just came back and I think it was like 15 large crates of stuff and, and they're going to mm-hmm. maybe a museum. And I think some people might've wanted something back, but it was, I mean, I've been there years ago and it's like a very incredible place. It his was, office. It was so, it was full of so much Alaskana and full of so much of Don Young's character. There were a lot of safari animal trophies in there that he had, um, he was able to get himself. And those were his personal trophies. A lot of staff, um, bid on those and bought those from the family because there were just so many, it was really hard for them to ship them all back or deal with them. Um, and Alex talked about how hard it was working with the congressional. Ortiz, right? Your former yeah, yeah, chief yeah. of staff. Yeah. He had to button everything up and the folks at the Capitol building were like, get some cardboard boxes and, you know, not really understanding how heavy those items are and how fragile they are. Oh, some of those animals must've been 
And they were huge. Huge and heavy. And so he had to wrestle around to try to find people to make wooden crates. And that <laughs> in itself was a fight. Now, Anton, you worked on the campaign last year, and then you went to the office. Did you have any sense of this Don Young guy? I mean, just kind of... You, you know, oftentimes I find myself almost every week regretting having never known him because while we're no longer in his office, we still very much live in Don world. There are countless Republicans um, who were friends of Don's who have reached out to Mary directly or have had staff reach out to us wanting to make sure that we know that that relationship is still solid mm -hmm. and that they want to continue supporting Alaska and appreciate our approach to the campaign, which was very much honoring him, but also some really good lessons from like Don's time in office. And one of my favorites is folks would come in, they'd have their 30 minutes. Within five minutes, he would already agree with whatever the issue was that they were asking about and asking that he work on. He was like, nope, 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 I'm there with you, I agree with you. Who do I have to call right now to get this happen? Like, let's not allow any time to waste. There's too much to do. And that's one thing that I've adopted from him. I've heard these stories. I've heard yeah. people would say he'd call sometimes high-level people, like de deputy secretary, you know, we have an issue, we need to get this fixed, and like on the phone right there, which I do that sometimes if I want to, with a friend or something, if we want to solve, I just, and they're, they're always kind of like, hey, we can just, whoa, let's just, let's like send an email, let's call later, let's not, we don't need to make well, people awkward when they, hey, we're on speaker, we need this <laughs> solved now. Well, he was very action oriented and everything was, what do you want? What can I do for you? How can I help you? And there were times where I was directed by my dad, if I happen to be in, in Washington, D.C., make sure you stop and say hi to Don. So I would make an appointment and go in and, and he'd say, well, what do you want? And I'd say, I don't want anything. I was just told I had to come and say <laughs> hi. And he'd say, well, that he kind of wouldn't know what to do with me because I wasn't there asking for anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after the, uh, second the general, uh, you kind of dropped in the seniority. No, you're no longer, <laughs> you're no longer in the big office, right? Yeah. Well, I was filling out the remainder of his term. Yeah. No, Sheila Jackson Lee came in after and she was um, like, literally, we'd be in meetings and she'd want to come in and start measuring and, and she needed new carpet and new new curtains. And she was oh my God. all the time. <laughs> like, I would barely it's still my out. office until yeah, no, January. It wasn't. It wasn't as far as she was concerned. But um, no, I was and actually, I kind of went up in seniority because um, Pat Ryan and I were sworn in on the same day. So you, you got a because you had served a few yeah. months prior, right? So you yeah. got a little, for all the people who were elected in 2022, you were, you're above all them one not. And this is the same thing that happened to Don Young. Yes. When he took the seat after um, Congressman Begich uh, passed away, yes. he had a little bit of a senior, which I think made some differences um, long-term in his kind of career. No, it really was helpful for us because we got um, first crack at offices for, um, out of all, you know, the, the freshmen from the 118th. We were ahead of them. Uh, Pat and I were. Um, Pat and I joke that we got no class. Pat. Mm -hmm. Pat Ryan. Ah, right. uh, we were both sworn in on September 12th. And so we're not really fully uh, freshmen from the 117th, and we're not really freshmen fully from the 118th Congress. We're just kind of it's like a limbo. in no man's land. Yeah. So you were in the legislature in Juneau, and it's less people at 60, but yeah. I've been down there five years now. I cover that. 
and people get weird about offices because the rules oh. chair, yeah. right? And people fight over <laughs> furniture and offices. Is it the same thing in DC? It's a or? real thing. It is a real thing. Yes. And very much so. Um, but we got a wonderful office in the Cannon building. We're on the first floor. We're very close to uh, one of the exits and um, it's all been renovated. So we're very happy with our new digs. So I got to ask you about this uh, vote, speaker vote, which was more ballots than I think going back to the 18, I think it was, I forget when it was going on, the mid-19th eight, mid, mid, you know, century. It was 15 or 16? 16. 15 rounds. Yeah, he was um, confirmed on, he had enough votes after the 15th vote. So I was in Phoenix actually visiting a friend and his, and his wife and their daughter, and, and it was for right around, you know, January. And <clears throat> we were watching it on C-SPAN. It was funny. Remember the whole C-SPAN had full kind of rain on cameras mm -hmm. and they were getting some of, they were doing the yep. Twitter. They were trying to get the audio. They were the words they were saying on some of the conversations, but he was not, he's like not into politics at all. This and friend of yours. from Phoenix, just, yeah. And he was like, this is so stupid. Turn this off. This was, you know, ridiculous. And then like the second day he was kind of like in like a little bit into it, but he's like, how does this place, this function like this? I said, not normally it doesn't. It's usually like a, but I was going to ask you. So it was, Within five, I mean, there was a really small mark, their, their majority, Republican majority. Yeah, they're five up. Yeah. So, but they were needed 15 or 20 votes, I think, to get, they were they were short. Mm -hmm. Did they ever, now in Juno, I know sometimes we have these coalitions. Mm -hmm. That's never really happened in, in D.C. Did that ever become, because there was an article written, actually, somebody like a Washington Post or something, maybe Hill, the, the Hill, where they were like, can she join, you know, you or some of the other people? Was that ever a conversation about... Not a substantive one. I mean, I think it was like an idea floated or, you know, it was more like, it's too bad we're not more like the Alaska State Legislature where we can build a bipartisan coalition of non-extreme mm -hmm. folks. But I don't think Washington, D.C. is quite ready for that yet. And there was no outreach from uh, McCarthy's office on the topic. That would have been interesting. Yeah, like what, if what if McCarthy would have said, hey, we, you know, we got you and your some, some of your colleagues, let's... You probably want a big reward for that, right? You would have wanted something. Oh, yeah, like AKLNG. Yeah. <laughs> oh. you, you, you build our gas line, do <laughs> That would have been, that would have been, I mean, that's what, 50 years they've been talking? I mean, I think they should, we could talk about that later, the gas line, but I think that would have been the hero vote, yeah. Well, and, and again, every single vote, every single thing that comes before me, the question is, what's best for Alaska? How will this benefit Alaska? How will this impact... Uh, Alaskan households and Alaskan people on the ground. So speaking of the LNG, I want to talk about the Willow. That was a big uh, push bet between you and Senator Sullivan, Senator Murkowski, and then the legislature passed a unanimous um, resolution yeah. in support of it. And a lot of people were watching that, and especially in the today's today and tomorrow's Alaska Oil and Gas Association conference. So that's being talked about. So talk a little bit about this Willow thing and I know a lot of people who are watching it were really concerned about them approving enough to make it go forward. This was a real nail biter and there was a lot of kind of um, pessimism about it because this had been has been worked on for so long. 20 years or something has gone into this. And Lisa has been packing water on this all these years. Senator Sullivan has. Um, Congressman Young certainly did. Um, my understanding was they got... Um, commitments from this president uh, last year when when Congressman Young was still alive and and then things change you know um, and uh, people within the administration changed and um, but this was one of those things where everyone in Alaska 
the, the vast majority of Alaskans are just in such strong support of this because we're all worried about out-migration. We're all worried about how our state is going to pay the bills for their constitutionally required uh, commitments, education, public safety, public transportation. Um, and all of those things that we are constitutionally required to um, fulfill retirement accounts, that unfunded debt liability, um, Medicare, Medicaid things, all of these are ballooning out of control. This isn't anything that anyone in office wants to see ballooning. It's just these huge bills that we have no control over. How are we going to pay for them? So um, Alaska Natives have been in such strong support of this. Every labor union has been a strong supporter of this. Like you said, the Alaska State Legislature, bipartisan, unanimous. There was resolution. a big group of folks that came to D.C., yep. uh, Joel Hall, uh, Senator Olson, Senator Hoffman, Representative Foster, Representative Pocketok, uh, and many others, and there was a picture I saw, and it looked like about, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. I think, did Senator Shower come? I thought I saw him in the picture. I think so. He might have come and down. And then um, various people from the Alaska Federation of Natives were there, both of the chairman, their president, their mm-hmm. attorney. Um, it was a huge group of people who came to D.C. on Alaska Day, and we had a big press conference in front of the Capitol building on this. Um, but, you know, everybody has been so focused on seeing this through. And it was a nail-biter because um, the administration had been giving cues that they were only going to approve two pads. And the, the, the two was kind of the, from people I talked to, so that wouldn't have worked. That was a no-go. And that was another way of saying no to the project, is making it uneconomic. And that would have been very underhanded. And so that was another thing that we were really focused on. But... Um, I got there in September, and by January, we started having weekly meetings with the president's staff. And it got to where, um, you know, the labor secretary was with us, Marty Walsh, um, the senators, myself. Um, you know, I won't go through the names of the folks in the White House staff because a lot they won't mean anything to a lot of Alaskans. But um, we were meeting on a weekly basis, and... Um, it was really all hands on deck. We were very concerned about it. We were trying to figure out, you know, on the things that the agencies all agreed on, the cooperating agencies, um, if we remove the sticking points, are we going to be in alignment um, through permitting? Did, did you have a sense that it was going to be, the three pads were going to be approved? Because I know no. they, they leaked. There was a leak mm-hmm. before the announcement. And I think, to me, it sounds like the leak might have been not about, hey, we're going to approve this, more about, hey, we want to stop this from... Absolutely. Being approved. Yeah. That was an internal leak that, you know, I think the Politico or one of these. To rile up the extreme environmentalists. Yeah. To get them to balance the the weight of the pressure being put by by our side. Um, But no, there was never any guarantee that this was going to work out. Actually, we had our meeting with the the president in the Oval Office, and and even getting that was a monument. So it's you and you were in there with him and. Yes, it was, it was the three of us, um, sen- the senators and myself, and three administration staff and the president. And um, I, we had been given word that we weren't going to have an audience with him until after the record of decision had been issued. And we were like, that is a no-go. We got, I got very upset and really conveyed that. Like, if I am the Democratic representative from Alaska and I can't get a meeting with the Democratic president, mm-hmm. something's wrong here. What was going through? I mean, you're from Bethel, you were in the legislature, mm-hmm. and now you're like meeting with the president. That must have been a very 
maybe almost surreal moment. It was a very surreal moment. And it, this is really embarrassing, but we went into the room and, you know, you have meetings in all kinds of different rooms and spaces. And I, you know, I was really noticing the furniture and the plants and they had our names um, on name cards of where we were supposed to sit. Lisa, Senator, Senator Murkowski and I were sitting on the same couch and then the president was sitting on a chair and Senator Sullivan was sitting across from us. And then like, Half what, you know, I think Lisa, she spoke first and she spoke about the economic impacts. And while she was speaking, I suddenly realized we were in the Oval Office. And mm-hmm. there, and then there was that moment sinking in. And then um, Senator Sullivan spoke very well on national security and how um, Alaskan oil is better in, environmentally. It's better for national security and, and all the benefits. And all of this had been um, very art well articulated by his own agencies. And then it was my turn to talk. And I, you know, I was really clear that this administration has been um, wonderful in terms of working hard to see social justice improvements. And this is for Alaskans, a piece of social justice for Alaska natives to have good paying jobs, for our unions to have good paying jobs to um, really help Alaska, you know, in terms of, um, like I said earlier, being able to have the revenues to to afford the things that our state needs to pay for. Um, and, you know, I did talk a little bit about um, the extreme environmental groups. That, and, and, I'm, and I'm not talking about just the run of the mill. Like, Nature Conservancy is really good to work with. There are many um, environmental groups that are easy to work with. But the extreme ones are kind of the newest version of colonialism as far as Alaska Natives are concerned mm-hmm. because they do not care what our values are. If we don't see things in total alignment with them, we're bad. And there is such a disconnect between a lot of extreme environmentalists in terms of them not recognizing the just unquenchable demand for energy that Americans have and not wanting to work on the demand side, but then wanting to prohibit places in America from being able to develop oil and gas. And you have a situation with, this is affecting all kinds of different topics and and, um, issues, but you have social media Mm -hmm. where you have maybe a person or a small group who just happened to have a loud megaphone and it's not a group of people. It's a small, it's one person or a few people. And then they get very loud and that impacts the discourse now, whether it's oil and gas or whether it's social issue, whatever it might be, you know, this is a thing that we're kind of dealing with. My son calls them keyboard warriors. Mm -hmm. You know, the politics of getting that meeting kind of relates back to closer to the mic there. uh, The politics for getting that meeting kind of comes back to that vote for the speakership um, as the minority leadership has been very supportive and invested in Mary and her success. It was her relationships with leader Jeffries and Catherine Clark, who's the whip, uh, Suzanne Delbeni, who's the chair of the DCCC, Jamie Harrison, the chair of the Democratic National Committee. Each one of these individuals did take the team to meet with Mary and the team to hear her perspective and why this is important well, for Alaska, and then to lobby the White House to get yeah, that meeting. Well, that's really what I was going to ask. That meeting for that's, us, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you, Anton. Is as the chief of staff, you're dealing with a lot of the different um, chiefs of staff and the you know offices and the poli- maybe the politics. And now there's a contingent of Democrats that are really against oil and gas development and this kind of thing. So did you have any interactions or situations where you had to say, hey, this is like maybe impress how important this is to so many 
people up here? Yeah, no, absolutely. I never really expected when I came to run Mary's campaign that I would be referred to as the Willow guy. Um, <laughs> they call you that? <laughs> the Willow guy. Oh, the Willow guy. Shit, the Willow guy's coming. Just, just say we're going to do it. Just go away. I'm not sure if I like that more or less of the tall guy behind Mary. Um, but I think that there were a lot of people on the Dem side who actually wanted to be helpful, that actually thought they were being helpful to Mary and helpful to Alaska. And what we experience all the time is even our friends who want to be helpful just fundamentally don't understand Alaska. And it takes a lot of Alaska explaining on a regular basis to help them kind of see it from Mary's perspective, see it from the Alaska perspective. And I think that Willow really was that success. Even when you look at the two pad versus um, three pad solutions, there were people in the White House who actually thought two pads were economic. They thought that Will that Conoco would acquiesce and they would move forward, fundamentally misunderstanding the global economics of oil and the competitiveness of actually investing in alternative places. Just the educational piece of like talking to folks and helping them see it from an unbiased perspective. And I do think the unique composition of the delegation right now with having someone who can speak, I mean, as well as we speak Democrat, who can speak Democrat to Democratic seat DC and have our office be trusted in those spaces was really helpful. So what's it like being your, your representing Alaska? And I think there's a handful of States, Wyoming, I'm not sure how many States there is. Dakotas, Vermont. Mm -hmm. um, With with, with one representative. It's only a few. Is it Montana? No, I don't. No, Montana, I think, has more. Okay. Two or three. I know Wyoming and the Dakotas and Vermont. I know those three, those four for sure, and Alaska. Yeah. So, so being from a state with one person, one representative, and then you being a Democrat that that had a guy for previous 50 years, what's that been like interacting? I mean, you must be maybe somewhat of a novelty for some people there. It's oh, like, oh my gosh, a Democrat from Alaska. Oh, here, mm-hmm. Hi, who are you? Yeah, it's a novelty. But what, you know, it's a challenge because people have these very outdated and stereotypical ideas of what Alaska is and what Alaska natives are. And um, so just, I, you know, I'll say, imagine Texas has one representative. Now imagine Texas is twice as big as it is. Now add a little bit more and there's still just one representative. Mm. Um, and People just don't understand how enormous we are. I think you really, and and one of the things I'm really happy about is that so many people from this administration are coming here and seeing for themselves, because you know, it's one thing to read about it on paper, and it's something completely different to be here in Alaska. Well, Secretary Buttigieg was here recently, and then yeah. Attorney General Garland was here, and there's been some some more yeah, visits. In the, I guess, so with a Democratic president, like if Trump was president, it might be harder to get you know, certain people dem- people that come up here. But if it's Democratic president, you have, you know, easier to get his kind of f- side or his folks to come up here. Well, and even when we were in the last administration, we did have a lot of folks coming up here. T- Tara Sweeney was effective at getting folks to come up here. And mm-hmm. um, Senator Sullivan, of course, is, um, it, he's, it's very easy for him to communicate our needs to. So I think it is good to have um a delegation of Alaskans who kind of span the breadth of uh, Alaskan voters. Um, I think we are a good reflection of Alaska and we're able to kind of, we, it's just a longer reach. I just had a friend visit uh, when I, I lived in Australia in 2017. I met a guy there. He's my neighbor when I lived in Sydney and, and he happened to be in U.S. and I was kind of beg, bugging him to come up here when he was 
And he just stayed for four days and we drove to Fairbanks. And he's from Australia, which is also a big country. Yeah. And their states and territories are pretty big. And he was kind of, we drove to Fairbanks and drove back down through the Richardson. And even he was like, <laughs> you know, I was trying to explain the state and all the different groups and native groups. And it was just so much for him to kind of like, wow, this place really, because you see it on the map and you maybe watch a TV show or something. But coming up here and seeing it, he was really kind of, just almost a little shocked about about the that vastness. That makes me happy because we have so much in common with Australia. You know, both places start with an A and end with an A. We have a lot of <laughs> Aboriginal people. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of resources. We're out in the hinterland, um, bush pilots. I mean, like on and on, so when, when, many. When I lived there, and I spent a lot of time in Darwin, in Northern Territory, and my takeaway was it's it's basically in some in many ways the same, except yeah. the weather. Yeah. Mm. Real hot. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of crazy animals that will, you know, s- small ones and big ones, that will, sharks and spiders and snakes. But, you know, very, very I mean, resources, yeah. um, you know, Aboriginal groups, um, you know, vast areas with a small population. Um, so, yes, you're, you're right. It's it's very similar, very kind of a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. And, and Darwin's one of our Anchorage's sister cities. Oh, that's yeah. great. Hmm. That's great. That makes sense. So now you're, we're kind of coming up to 2024 and the election cycle has started and you were... Kind of the you were the guinea pig, really. Your race for the ranked choice, mm-hmm. and that was the top four, and then it was actually three. Pick mm-hmm. one primary, yeah, and then the top four slash three, yeah, all all of that, and and we had about ninety thousand people in the last election cycle who didn't vote, so we still have a huge portion of Alaskans who will be learning this process for the first mm-hmm. time in this next election. So. Oh, and that 90,000 are the people that typically vote in presidential years. So we're expecting about an extra 90,000 to come out and vote. Yeah, so that's what, the, what I was going to ask. You, glad you brought that up. The, the, a lot of the military, you know, in the um, presidential years. So have you guys, I'm sure you've looked at that. What does that, what does that mean for the, for the race when you have a lot more people voting who don't, normally don't vote in the, the off years? Well, we're just going to have to make sure that we're doubling down on outreach and making sure people understand this new system, just like we did last year. Um, but I really think the best way to campaign is just work hard and, and have deliverables that people, you know, that are impactful to people's lives. So that's what I'm really focused on right now is just doing the best job that I can for Alaska and, and seeing, you know, the most actual gains for Alaska. What was your kind of experience or takeaway from the single primary and then the ranked choice? Because you had been in the legislature for 10 years and you had run in the old kind of, you know, system. What was that like, Is especially in that special race that was nobody thought there was going to that was going to happen. So it was kind of like, oh, we got to we got to try this thing out. Well, for many races in Alaska, it's all said and done in the primary. And mm-hmm. that's how it was in my old house district, in my state house district. Um the whole well, Mike, a little closer there. the the whole race is really settled in the primary, and then there isn't really a substantive general election. So you're over, you're done and over in August. And and I think again, I think that's a lot of House districts and Senate districts in Alaska are that way. I do not think I could have ever um, won a Democratic primary. I am not liberal enough. I'm not aligned enough with whatever the party platform is. I honestly don't know what our platform is for the Democratic Party. I've never read the whole thing. Um, I think that's how most Alaskans are. Most Alaskans, I'm sure, don't know what the platforms of, of either or each party are. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure I would not have made it through a primary. Um, and, and it's funny because even when I put my name in, there was so much talk about, oh, it's so-and-so's time or it's this other person's time. And 
it would never have been my well, like, time. I, I got to yeah. be honest. When when the whole thing happened and all the forty eight or forty nine yeah. people, uh, we we had a actually a little video with it was Kim, way be, way before the race was even kind of going. It was Kim, Art Hackney, and I think it was maybe Austin Baird. We all kind of talked about these people, and and just be, I've said this before. But if you're honest, I Kim was like gung ho. And I was thinking, like, no one, no, I don't even know who this is, you know, because I <laughs> was here when you were in the legislature, but you had a different name. I just didn't really, yeah. like, and then you kind of surged, and I think you were on very few people's radar early, and then you I surged. I was on, like, five people's radar <laughs> I mean, early. Kim, Kim. My father-in-law didn't think I had a chance, <laughs> and he was always my campaign chairman for my house races. On our video, if you go back, and it was June, Kim kept really... And I remember thinking to myself, what she is like a little delusional here. She is really <laughs> excited about Mary. And like, you know, and, but at some point, what do you attribute that kind of uh, rise to when you became one of the, obviously the main people and then you ended up winning? Well, I think it was the number of forums that I was able to participate in. There were a lot of really good um, kind of grassroots forums, um, Zoom calls, um, podcasts like this. And Alaskans are really personal. They want to know who you are as a person. I think it was Landmine Podcast. Let's just be honest. Let's right? be honest. Indeed. That's what it that's was. Why we're back. Yeah. We're counting yeah. on you. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have done it without you, Jeff. And that's why I'm back. No, I, I do think it's about the person yeah. and, and not about um, the commercials or little... And the positive message. Like yeah. we've, uh, we traveled around the state, obviously, throughout the election last year. We didn't run a single negative ad. Some of our ads were even mildly goofy, trying to no. like... We're very, very goofy. <laughs> or, yeah. Um, but I think what we often heard were people were just exhausted with the 2020 ads. It was uh, tens and tens of millions of dollars spent on negative angry ads and folks enjoy just hearing a positive campaign i don't want to say it's that simple there are all sorts of other well, elements i do think that's a huge piece of it i think the through line and and it took me a while to kind of land at this um, opinion but people would say how did the most conservative governor in the united states get elected in alaska as well as a moderate Republican and a moderate Democrat. And at first I thought it was Murbach and our response to that disaster. Mm -hmm. But really reflecting on it, I think it's that the three of us did not respond to the personal attacks that were made on us, and we stayed on issues that matter to Alaskans. We just stayed you know, talking about our ideas and, and I've, topics. I've talked about that many times. We elect, uh, and the races all had different dynamics, but we elected a very conservative Republican governor, a kind of moderate uh, Republican that the Trump people hate because mm -hmm. of the Trump thing, and then a Democrat, and they're all it's all the same statewide election, and we've actually had conversations with different pollsters, and we're talking about how just that probably wouldn't happen in a lot of other states. That kind of dynamic breakdown of what three did races. the pollsters think happened? Well, a lot of it's just you're talking about you and people like you, and it was part of the you know the neg there was not a lot of negativity in the governor's race. It was. There was two people kind of, the same in your race. You had Nick Nick and Palin were going after. Then you had Walker in the governor's race and, and, and Guerra. And then Dunleavy kind of was out of the fray. And then in the Senate race, that was another most, basically two-person dynamic. But it, it's, a, it's just a very odd result in a state. You know, it's a very three different kind of people. But Alaskans time and time again vote for the person. I mean, we voted for Don Young because he was a kooky, you know, guy who was the most Alaskan person that ever lived. You know, he was mm -hmm. just super duper Alaskan. 
And we always voted for Ted Stevens. Um, again, um, people who are leading with Alaska um, at top of mind. And, and you know, I, I do want to say here, when I was growing up with um, Ted Stevens and Frank Murkowski and Don Young, um, you know, and I look back now, our congressional delegation and the people who built Alaska over the last 60 plus years invented Alaska out of whole cloth. I mean, the, the kind of programs that we have in Alaska, the systems that we have in Alaska, we would not have them if it hadn't been for these really unique people who only cared about delivering for Alaskans at the end of the day. Well, I think it's, you know, it said a lot that we have, you know, there's more Republicans and Democrats, but combined there's more independents in all mm-hmm. of them. 60 something percent. So are, nonpartisan and, yeah. you know, undeclared. So that's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, we're, we're living in a kind of unique place here in Alaska. Well, and we're so small, we, we depend on each other and, and most of us aren't going anywhere. Like we're going to live here all of our lives. And we know that these other leaders, even if they rub us the wrong way, we are stuck with them until we die. These are people we have to work with year in and year out. I want to ask you about one of your opponents, Josh Rivak, uh, former senator, he was hired as your state director, which I think some of the partisans either way didn't like it. But going back to, I think a lot of people said, you know, hey, that's a great, you know, great move. And he's been a a, senator and and he state senator and I've known him for a long time. So, well, he's a decorated combat veteran Mm -hmm. and we have more veterans in the state of Alaska than, than others proportionately. Um, And he does have a lot of uh, institutional knowledge, having served in the state legislature. Um, I think both chambers. I think he was. He did. In the yeah, House, he was appointed then, to the. Yeah, and he worked for Don Young too, as well in the yeah. past. That's how and we got to Sol- Alaska. Yeah. He came here as a staff person for Congressman Young. So, um, I'm very pleased that Josh was willing to come in and work for the office, and I'm I'm really proud of of him building up our Anchorage office from the ground. He's definitely a fan. Well, so, and I'm a fan back, so that works out. So what, what I guess the last thing we'll talk about is, is what's, what's been, um, you know, maybe your biggest challenge or surprise as far as you get into this big 435-person body. It's much bigger than the Alaska House of 40. What, yeah. what's, that, what's been your kind of... Well, one of the, the unfortunate things is that every vote I take is booby-trapped. Every vote has a poison pill in it. I can't even vote for pay raises for troops without poison pills or five or seven embedded in that. And it almost feels like every single vote that we take, unless it's like on Blanc or a motion to recommit or something like that, is designed by um, backroom attack ad creators. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm in attack ad eight or nine, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, that certainly wasn't the case in Juneau. We were all on, we were all pulling in the same direction in Juneau. And yeah, there were weird dynamics, some friction here and there, but nothing like this. Well, I know this, uh, this Suzanne Downing at Must Read is kind of obsessed mm. with you. It's like every day is some, I mean, you're getting a lot of free uh, airtime out of, and then Picaro, the guy in the, the afternoon, they kind of play off each other. So, and Amy Domboski, so they, they're, they're kind of, they, you, you occupy a lot of uh, real estate in their, in their heads or they're, they're writing about you and talking about you all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's tough when somebody's obsessed with you. Yeah, I'm not sure that I I've have that in my life too. You know, sometimes that I'm not sure that I've ever gotten a request for comment for any of those articles. 
I don't think so. The mo- I, would, I, would not, I would not suspect that, yeah. I'll offer this on the positive front of surprises, is how well folks work together. I spend yeah. more time working with Lisa and Dan's chief of staffs than I do Democratic colleagues, chief of staffs in the House. We text every day. We have two meetings a week, one with Tyson Gallagher with the governor's office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just a surprising amount of projects that we frankly all agree on on alaska issues we're about 90 95 percent on the same page and there's no hate for being the democrat they often joke about when i'm going to come out of the closet and just be a republican (laughs) (laughs) secret republican i mean going back to this i mean i I thought something was really distasteful it was a while back your father passed away oh it was Um, my mom i'm sorry your 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 mother your mother passed away yeah and and this downing does this article i mean it was fair you know your your mom passed away you had to go do that. And then two days later, there was an attack piece about you missing a vote. I mean, literally, it was, I just thought that was the most horrible thing. I mean, you, you acknowledge what happened, and then you use it as, oh, there's a, you know, missing a vote. So it's, it's hard to well, win sometimes. And with, I understand that you stood up for me. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No, I pointed that out. I said, yeah. here's, here's a Monday. Here's, and then here's a Wednesday, you know, yeah. missing votes. Oh, my mm. gosh. And, mm. Well, I mean, I think that's just, you know, and I knew that very well going into it. And, you know, I think in our country, we're, we're in a bit of a slow civil war. And I think in in part because of fomenters like this. I mean, um, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Um, well, it's really it's really concerning. Just people, they're calling it the great sort. People are Democrats are moving to Democrat states. Republicans are moving to Republican yeah. states. I mean, Florida, Texas, you know, this is already kind of people are starting to sort themselves away well, from people they don't yeah. want to be around. So it's very, you know, it's it is very, it is a cold dis- civil war in some ways. It's disconcerting. And as Americans, we need to say, you are not my enemy. We may not agree on 5 or 10 or even 20% of, of what we're discussing on a national level, but we do agree on the vast majority, and we agree so fundamentally and wholeheartedly. We all want good roads. We all want good schools. We all want affordable health care. Um, we all want America to succeed, well, but when we're tearing each other down, that's just not going to happen. What's, what's happened, unfortunately, on both sides, on the extreme partisan left and yeah. right, yeah. you know, for these extreme people that are very loud, you know, 90% is a failing grade. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be with me, but if you don't support this one thing, then, well, you know, you're the enemy. And then that that's so much of this toxicity that... I think is is happening right now. And, you know, I try to realize that it's not personal. Um, You know, the people who are tearing me down, they were tearing Don down. And and Don was a pillar of Alaska. He is a foundational pillar of Alaska, and they were calling him a rhino. Um, Lisa Murkowski is one of six people in in the U.S. Senate out of 100 who are not entrenched. She's one of six people in the United States Senate who is really weighing and balancing and following a moral compass, trying to get to what is best Mm -hmm. for America. And they're tearing her down. So this isn't really even about me. And um, it's it's just a shame that partisan politics have taken up so much space because it's frankly un-American. Well, it's, it's, um, you know, I'm reading this book right now about Reagan and and kind of um, Carter, the transition Mm -hmm. called uh, Reaganland. And if you read it, there's actually in the seventies, there's basically identical social issues, oil and gas, I mean, yeah. energy inflation. There was, it's, it's like the same stuff was going on, mm-hmm. except now it's just so much more amplified with, so, with the internet, you know, the sixties, mm. there was assassinations. There was all these like very p- partisan toxic um, political things happening, but 
now everything is so in your face. And if something happens, it's like everybody sees it automatically and everybody has an opinion about it. And it's just, we're, we're not so much different in our issues, but, but it's you different in how. You can hide behind a handle. Mm-hmm. You can hide behind, behind a made up name. And, you know, I, I do think there's um, a real uh, double standard here. If you're in public service, you need to disclose everything. You need to disclose your debt, what you have, what your spouse has, his debt, your kids and their debt and whatever they have. Um, but somebody who, say, runs a blog, they can make up anything they want. They can make up lies and there's no recourse. Um, but I take great pride in the work that, that my team and I are doing. Well, that's uh, one of the things that, that Trump said that I kind of a long time ago. Remember he talked about the libel laws and people freaked out. And in UK, there, you, there's, there's much stricter rules on if you print something that's, that's false, you, you know it's false. Here, you know, if you're a public figure, basically people can say whatever they want about you. I mean, there's no really, mm-hmm. you have to prove, I mean, it's very, very, the bar is so high to mm-hmm. uh, do that. And, and I see, you know, I see it all the time. People say things and, you know, knowingly wrong. And, and people just, they've kind of, so many of people just consume the news they want to, cons- you know, so it's like they, there was that, that social dilemma. Um, I don't know if you saw that on, on Netflix, mm-hmm. but you can have two people that live in the same household or four, four people, a family, and they see on their, you know, their lives are the same, who they're around, but their social media, their, What they see is Mm -hmm. so different. Yeah. And I think a piece of this is the algorithms. If I click on something, then algorithms are, um, you know, they generate more uh, things of that same ilk for me to read. And then they kind of one-up it and one-up it every time I click something. And and I think that's something that we need to be aware of and and really realizing the effects of that. Well, there's been some really good hearings in Congress and House and Senate about social media and, and all of these things you're talking about. And hopefully, you know, we, we get better in, in this and oh, not, we will not worse. Get better. We will get better. I think that all of these tribu- tribulations will just make us stronger. And, and I really do think that Alaska is doing very, very well. I think America is doing really well. Things are kind of sorting themselves out and leveling out a little bit. I think that for a lot of us, we saw that insurrection and, kind of sat up in our seat and said, mm-hmm. no, this is not the America that I grew up in. This is not the America I want my kids and grandkids to be part of. Well, Representative Patel, I really want to thank you for coming on. And Anton McParlin, your chief of staff, I think it's going to be a big, for you, a big race next year because um, there's no governor's race, no Senate race. You're the only statewide race. We have presidential as well, but it's going to be, I think we're going to be hearing a lot from you in the race here in the next you know year to come, so... Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's always, you know, it's such a privilege to serve Alaska in this way. And it's just the honor of a lifetime. Very unlikely. I'm very lucky. So um, counting my blessings every day. And and I hear you have a birthday coming up. Yeah, actually, it might even be tomorrow. I don't I think. think we're going to acknowledge it um. because 49 <laughs> oh. has been such a successful number. Well, 49 and 40, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is going to post maybe tomorrow the next day. So for folks listening. Okay. I guess you're, what's August 31st? August 31st is my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Tomorrow. Happy early birthday. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. Um, Representative Mary Paltola and Anton McParlin, Chief of Staff, thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys again. Thank you. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.